passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back, everybody, to Post Wrestling. It is John Pollock with you. It has been a very, very stressful week, maybe years, for this man who is joining us a fellow podcaster, someone who uh, won a very big legal battle this week. A real pleasure to have him on the show. Friend of the site, dare I say. Colt Cabana is with us. And Colt, thank you so much for joining us today. I know we have a a lot to discuss. And I know that this has obviously been a a massive issue for you in your entire life for the past three and a half years. I'm really happy to see that um, it is now in the rearview mirror for you. Yeah. uh, And sorry to put you on the spot, but I don't know. Did you get a chance to listen to my podcast that I put out today? Yes, I did. So, yeah. So, I mean, through that, you can kind of hear uh, just a lot of just the, the I don't know, craziness, but just the it all kind of came to a boiling point. But, yeah, it's it's been years. And um, and it's finally, you know, I think without some, some I's and crossing some T's, it's, I guess, finally over. I guess as you go back and, you know, you hear this verdict and – you know, a lot of us, we were following this through the notes that were coming out every day. I know WrestleZone was there in the courthouse, and that was kind of our eyes and ears to all of this. And there was, you know, there was a lot of, like, ridiculous stuff in all of this, and it was very easy for people to make a lot of jokes about this case. And Myself like, included. Yeah, that too. I mean, I kind of have a hard time, like, making light of any of this because this was something that I can't imagine the stress level for you for multiple years, uh, for many people, this was on their radar for uh, just over a week. But for you, this started in 2014. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been like separating these two worlds for a long time, and also for so long, I just, um, I, I just knew my innocence, and I knew that like I didn't done anything wrong, and I, I felt very, very strong about that. And even like very early on when they were like, this might go to trial, you know, a little bit of me was like, good. Like, who's going to who's going to look at me and go, this guy owes this man money, you know. So in my in my head, it was just always kind of two separate things. There was my life that was, you know, paying these huge checks and dealing with these lawyers and dealing with all the BS. And then there was the other life of making the towns, doing my podcast, wrestling, trying to sell merch, you know, trying to sell a $20 shirt here and there. And I think I, I could, o- I only was able to survive because I was able to separate it like that. Um, you know, you said that WrestleZone, 
that's the only way people kind of figured out what's going on and having a sense of humor. And, you know, you know, mean long enough that that's how I deal with stuff is, is humor. You know, that's the only way I can kind of survive. I feel is by, you know, by, you know, it's a defense mechanism for sure. Um, you know, when I got fired by WWE, the first thing I did was we, I went on, I was doing stand up comedy and I was, I was making jokes at that the light, you know, of Scotty Goldman. So, uh, and, and for WrestleZone, you know, I, the podcast that I did today that came out was like me documenting the whole pod, the, the whole trial. And I was doing that mainly because I didn't think anyone was going to be there to document it. So yeah. I really thought I was going to have all of this unbelievable stuff that n- nobody was going to even know about. And then to their credit, you know, Nick and, um, and Ross and Ross, right. Ross, you know, respectively, they showed up every single day and they, they weren't allowed to have uh, iPhones or computers so the first day when Nick was there and I, he's writing on a legal pad, I was just like, what's he going to put? Like, Amen bad, Cabana good, you know? And then to see um, his amazing notes, uh, he worked really hard and so did Ross and they, get a, they should get a lot of credit. I mean, you must have so many, um, I guess, thoughts coming out of this process of just the legal system as a whole. I mean, you can look at it at you know, very limited media access here, unless you're in the the Chicago area. I mean, the fact, I think that it really sticks in a lot of people, the fact that, yes, this is a victory for you, but it's not without damages you have suffered in all of this for the legal fees and things that, I mean, you were put through all of this and there's really no situation for you to recoup that unless you wanted to go through a whole nother legal issue. I mean, there's, I, I guess there's probably a lot of thoughts you have on just the the legal system in this sense for someone like you that's not attached to a major company that was kind of roped into this whole thing. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't even know what my case would be against him either. Um, and you know, I think David Bixenspan wrote that Illinois rules in, in defamatory cases, you're not allowed to go for, um, for fees if you, you know, if you win or whatever it might be. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, like, I'm not going to say, but, how much it was, you know, cause it was a lot, but lawyers get paid by the hour and they're not getting paid, you know, 15 to $18 an hour. It's not that, you know? So, and you just imagine it's been, you know, years, this thing's been years. And, um, uh, but it's, you know, it's, I, it's, Sadly, you know, they my my lawyers and at a time a different lawyer tried to get me out of this case many times, and a judge said no, he belongs in it. Um, you know, which was heartbreaking to me many times when I tried to get dismissed from the case and I was unable to. So that's a frustration, you know. And at the end of the day, you know, when the whole thing was done and talking to the jurors, all of the jurors being like, I can't believe you were in this. You know, you, you want to be like, well, how come a judge didn't see that? But that's where the technic, the technicalities and the legalities all play a part. Um, and that's the interesting thing is that there are so many technicalities about this case and the cases in general, but it comes down to a jury of just normal people being like, oh, yeah, they, they, they're fine. This is ridiculous, you know? So it's, it's, that's, that was one of the most interesting things that at the end of all of this about the legal system, at least in Cook County in Illinois. Do do you feel this is a much different case if it was not a jury trial? Do you think that was to your benefit that there were everyday people here that were assessing your case? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know what else it would be, you know, up to, yeah, I don't know, because I feel that's a good question. And it's probably, I don't have the answer, obviously. Yeah. But it does make, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm very grateful that it was a judge of my peers. I'm sorry, it was a jury of my peers of just normal people from Chicago who just had natural common sense. You know, on top of that, as you're, like you, you sounded throughout this process, you were very confident in your innocence in all of this, that you had not done anything wrong. But I mean, for anyone that, that is facing this possibility of an outcome that's in the millions of dollars, I'm sure the monetary concern is of the utmost. But was there an element as well that a judgment against me, this is like a strike against my character. Like this is going to go down as a ruling against uh, my reputation as well, that regardless of the monetary fines, there's also this, like, that is how this story ends, that myself and Punk were in the wrong here. Uh, I think um, punk, I think Punk, that was a battle for Punk, I think, if I could be honest with you. I, yeah. I, think, I think the win was the big... I, I think we could say this whole thing was about Punk. I think that would be a pretty fair assessment of this whole case. I think that's where there's a lot of sympathy towards you. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, John, to be honest, if they were like, you're guilty and you owe a dollar, I'd be like, fine. Can we get this yeah. done with? You know, like I don't even – because at the end of the day, I still don't think what I did was wrong. And if the technicalities – and that's where maybe the jury gets away and a judge is like, well, by bystander, by law, Keith Van Horn versus Mancow Mueller case 1987, this is what this and this is this. You're found guilty, but you know it's ridiculous that he wants you know $25 million. You You owe him 10 bucks. Great. Here's 10 bucks. Leave me the fuck alone, you know? Yeah, I think that's the other part is that, you know, where where I live in in the province of Ontario in Canada, there's actually anti-slap legislation that's in place. For those that are not familiar, that's Strategic Litigation Against Public Participation, which is a long acronym for essentially protecting people uh, that are reporters, journalists from major companies going after you that if there is a lawsuit, it's done in a timely fashion and they kind of expedite the process to throw out any frivolous lawsuits so that you don't have a case like yours that starts in early 2015 with the filing and you don't get into court until 2018 that I'm sure you would have loved to have had this wrapped up in six months time. Yeah. You know, my lawyer was just telling me about the Cook County system in general. And he's just like, they call it the circus court of, you know, Chicago. He's like, it just is what it is. And so I kind of knew what I was getting into for a while. What's um, because I, I've got to say that since this verdict has come out, I haven't seen too many people within the industry speaking publicly, congratulating you privately. H- have you heard from a lot of people uh, within the industry that were paying attention to this case? What has the reaction been both to the verdict and maybe your podcast that uh, came out on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, publicly, right? You don't hear from anyone. I'd say anywhere from 20 to 40 people within the WWE uh, gave me a huge congratulations and a thumbs up. And, you know, it's um, I, I just honestly within because obviously I don't know if Hausman texted it right away or uh, or Ross or, you know, any of those guys. I mean, as it texted the results, but, you know, within 10 minutes before I even was able to put out a tweet. I mean, my phone was just blowing up, blowing up. So people from all over, all over the wrestling world, all over my, you know, just the regular world, um, my neighbors who are lawyers who were looking at this case. It's just, it, 
so many people reaching out and um and that was nice to it was nice to see all the support what what's going through your head as that that verdict is being read what is the the first thought that enters your mind is it just an overall sense of relief um are you even able to process it in that moment yeah. of this long long road to this this one decision being made because you're it's funny because i didn't know which so i was the first one which is weird because i think punk did interview saying he was the first one but the first one was you know they said they side with colton and um and it was just kind of like this like niagara falls of like uh you know like in a movie where like someone's having sex and stuff's just like blowing up and there's all this excitement and so it was just like and you could hear like the, you know, just like the, like <laughs> yeah. it's like Colton. We decided in favor of Brooks, because and now Colton, because there was four, there was four counts. So she's just like naming all of us, and you don't hear the doctor's name, and it's just like yes, yes, yes. Like um, that's kind of like how like it it kind of played out to me of just all these like. And here's a great news for you, and here's more great news for you. Oh, you want some great news? Here it is. And punks, you know, I'm just, I was sitting there with a smile on my face, just being like, yep, exactly. This is what, exactly what I thought it was. I don't understand why we've been here for so long. And I look over and punks in tears. I mean, he's bawling. And again, I think it's like I was talking about, you know, I think it's, it was a battle of him versus uh, the doctor. You know, I just, I think I just got thrown in sadly, very sadly, but. Um, you could tell it was much more emotionally attached for him as something he had lived through. Um, and that was something I touched on in my podcast too, is just, I mean, when he, when you realize the life that he was living day after day after injury after injury and, and it's playing out and the jury's just like getting to hear what this hor- this horrible lifestyle is. Um, it's, it becomes a reality when you get that, when you, when the judge and the jury say, you know, Hey, yeah, we side with the defendants. Yeah, and another thing you mentioned in the podcast was that when you guys went into this, it was originally targeted to last from May 26th until June 7th. Now, the verdict ended up coming down on the 5th, but just the idea that this would have like tentatively gone until Thursday, which would have been the day before Punk has to make weight, much less his fight the following day. Um, I think the timing was just unfathomable like i just was there ever a discussion of a continuance to avoid this because i cannot imagine a worse timing for for this trial for the guy so the judge said june 7th and i think she said that as the trial uh as the jury was selected and she only gave that she said this is the last possible day and she said i've had hundreds and hundreds of trials and there was only one time where it went past the day that i said and she goes, that will never happen again. So that was her just kind of giving the jury a benchmark or an idea. And I think knowing that it would that it was going to go less, so the jury would be like a little happier when there was less days. And my lawyer had kind of told me the same thing. He he thought we in re, he thought it would have been a, a two or three day trial. And what happened was, and if you got the gist of uh, the, the the characters of the lawyers, which I also. You know, we think about pro wrestling and we think about these lawyers there. They kind of had characters in themselves in this whole thing is that's how my lawyer works. He's very fast. He just wants to say the fact. So in his mind, he'll get his information out. We'll be done in two or three days. But um, Punk's lawyer, she was, I mean, in the middle of the road. And uh, Eamon's lawyer 
I mean, he was stretching this thing out as long as he could. It was, I, you know, that was his tactic. I don't know, but he was stretching out a, um, he was stretching these days out for sure. When you hear that figure in the closing arguments where they were looking for a dollar a stream, mm-hmm. I mean, that jumped out to me as something that I don't care how you're wavering if you're a jury member. I think, you know, this decision is going to negatively impact these people's lives with like this big of an ask <laughs> that I just I just feel that it was this this figure you were asking for that it was to me that was the cherry on top of just this is this is insanity. This is insanity that that amount of money is being asked for over a podcast that and I'm not even trying to minimize Dr. Amen. Like I'm sure he went through uh so like issues through all of this. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to a bad Thanksgiving and cat calls from people and it's a seven figure damage, I just think that like that is just a slam dunk. I'm sorry. I'm out at this point if I'm a jury member. So here's how I thought about it. Yeah, I agree. And there's two ways to think about it. And I was having this conversation. I forget if it was with Punk or AJ, but um, it's like there could be that. Then the jury goes, oh, God. Or it could it could be in the jury's mind of like – so essentially he wanted $3.8 million for every count. So essentially he wanted $12 million plus punitive damages, which I think could have went up to $40 million or something like that. But so if he – asks for 4 million. Let's say let's say he asks for 12 million and the judge and the the jury are like, "Well, that's way too much." You know, like you don't get 12 million, but then they think that giant number and they're thinking like, "All right, well, he won, so we got to give him something. Like, let's just give him 2 million." You right. Know? So like that's I feel that's the psychology, the wrestling psychology of uh, tri- of trial psychology. And um I mean, obviously it didn't work and and I know, you know, we talked to a lot of the jurors afterwards and, and a lot of them said that that was almost just that was a, a factor. And um, I didn't see it because I think I was just staring into space at that point. But uh, one of Punk's lawyers said they saw half the jury um, blown away by it, half of them rolling their eyes at it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was a factor somehow. But, hey, you know, good for him shooting for the stars, I guess. Right. Did you get to have any kind of meaningful conversation with punk after the verdict? I mean, have you guys had the chance to like digest this together or is it kind of, he's now hyper-focused on this fight on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think he's focused for the fight. I, 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 he wanted to really talk to all the jurors and he wanted to kind of, you know, I think, uh, post, you know, post wrestling, he wanted to post trial, uh, the whole thing. And I really wanted to just get the fuck out of there. Um, and, and I know I was like, I, you know, he as he's as we we're going to go, like, say hi to all the trial and shake or say hi to the jury and shake their hands and stuff. I was like, I don't even want to talk to anyone. He's like, good. I do. Jesus. I want to thank everyone individually. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But I just I, I'm so sick of this thing. I, I wasn't as you know, I wasn't I mean, I was just as in deep like I was just as liable liable as he would. The charges were the same, you know, for both of us. But. Um, it was, you know, I just felt it wasn't my battle and I just, it was done and I just want, I just wanted to be out of there. As, as you continue with your podcast and I know you've, you have changed the format around. I mean, is there a part of you that like now there's a paranoia on answers you're getting from subjects or questions you're asking and thinking of, you know, this, this could make someone very paranoid about 
ever stepping on a landmine again, which is one of the reasons I really detest these cases, because even though you are ruled in favor of here, there's always that fear of, God, I never want to go through this again. Is there going to be an element for that for you to that, that you've gone through over the past few years? Yeah, there, there has been. And John, to be honest, there was in the past. There was bef- even before that happened. So like, you know, I, I'm not a malicious person. My podcast was always about putting people over and telling these great stories. I was, you know, I wasn't the guy posting my own clips about the dirt, you know, on YouTube trying to get hits and stuff. It, I, I just put out a show every week. That's kind of, that was what I, I enjoyed doing that. And so that's why I, I always thought it was just wild that I was the one that got hit with this when there's so many, there's so many bad guys out there. Uh, who have bad intentions or, or intentions not for the wrestlers or for people's well-being. So, um, you know, that it's kind of naturally who I am in the first place. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, 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 I did an interview uh, today and I gave this example. I, I had done this. I did an interview with Teddy Hart after the Punk podcast. And, um, you know, he has a story about Bruce Pritchard that he's gone off on. And I, I won't repeat it. It's on the Internet if you want to try to find it. But I, I you know, I was just like – I. I don't know everything about this and I don't need this in my podcast. So I, I took it out and, uh, that kind of, you know, I think that kind of answers your question a little bit, but yeah. 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 How, how about, you know, when, when you're listening to other people's podcasts, the, you know, comedy podcasts and you'll hear someone just drop something carefree. And I mean, that, that's got to resonate with you that man, you have no idea maybe what you're, what kind of door you're opening here just by, um, especially in a comedy setting where I think that the, it's it's very it's far less uh, journalism and it's you know people that are trying to entertain one another and there's this whole there's this whole legal situation out there that you have now experienced that few other podcasters have. Well, he you know his big thing was you know essentially his feelings were hurt and I mean you know what's comedy it's you know making fun jokes stretching the truth a little bit so I, that's of course I worry about that and also. You know, I always appreciate when someone throws in a good old allegedly, you know, I'm always like, yep, man, good move there, buddy. Is is that an actual, you know, the, have you gotten from your lawyer that an allegedly, is that, is that enough of like a, uh, a, a of a crutch to, to get around something? Yeah, yeah, a lawyer told me that, like, I mean, after this happened four years ago, so I don't know if it still stands, but that was like, yeah, if you threw in allegedly, you would, you'd be good to go. But again, this there was nothing alleged about this story. This you know yeah. with Punk and, and the doctor. This is all how it played out. There was you know I'm not. He wasn't going to say allegedly. He was going to say this is what happened, and it is what happened. How many times do you think you've gone back and and listened to the interview and just like combed through it just to make sure that you're not, you know, your memory is is accurate from what was said? Oh no! I, the, hearing it in, in the trial was the first time I, I've listened to it in years. Oh, wow. um, you know, what I had to go through, and I don't know if you know much about this stuff, is I had to go through my deposition a lot. So I read my deposition about five or six times um, because that's like if you say one thing in your deposition and you say a different thing on 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 the stand, they're going to be like, you're a liar, you know. So that was kind of what I was combing through. What was the turning point for you, the, you know, the the whole HIPAA uh, discussion when, when that came up during uh, one of the testimonies was that kind of the turning point in the trial for you and if not what do you what do you feel was maybe the the real hallmark moment that you know signaled to you that you guys were in good standing here um i 
I, I think that was right. I, and I talked about that in, in my podcast was that hurrah, huzzah moment of uh, of him bringing up HIPAA and then just opening the floodgates for those texts with him and Jericho, you know, talking bad about punk. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the big things was them able to hear the whole podcast. Yeah. And, um, you know, and and at when we talked to the jury afterwards, they a lot of them were like, this was just two friends talking on a podcast. Uh, you know, it wasn't this wasn't like crazy media. This was just two friends chatting. And I thought when everyone listened to us talk, even though like some might have been in and out of it, you could just tell it was two dudes on a couch just talking about their life experiences, one more than the other, obviously. And I, you know, I was I was confident that they were able to hear it. You know, it's like that was it. Like we weren't trying to bring in anything from anything else. Like they got to hear what I was being sued over. And I was confident that that was a great that was a great podcast. I I mean, you you look at it, it's arguably the most popular podcast in this space. I mean, for the I mean, this adds a whole new level to it, but I mean, at the time, I remember when you dropped that on Thanksgiving morning and I was going through like insomnia at this time and I see you had dropped this show and I start listening to it at around three in the morning mm-hmm. and then realize th- this is very newsworthy that I had to get up from bed and start taking notes of this uh, for the website and then uh, was tweeting out certain highlights from it. And this is the first time this has ever happened was Thursday morning. I'm getting responses from people saying I should have had a spoiler warning because of the content of this interview. I didn't know that spoilers existed for podcasts, but I learned that morning uh, from the punk interview that wow. yeah, it's a- that can that that can upset some people. But <laughs> I mean, arguably the most newsworthy uh, podcast that has come out, I would say, of the last five years. And this certainly adds to it when when it comes to you know when when you're going off to the Fringe Festival and doing a lot of your your shows in front of audiences. Uh, John, do you think? Are you talking about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August third to the twenty sixth? In Edinburgh, Scotland, every single day? That is the exact uh, festival that I'm talking about. Okay. Every single day. How much of this becomes, you know, part of your shows? That this is such a big topic. And, like, let's be honest. There is a lot of material here for you <laughs> that is great storytelling material. I mean, how much do you kind of um, make this a, a big part of your shows that people want to hear kind of the more ridiculous nature of this story, which there's no shortage of it. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, uh, the guy I do the fringe festival with is named Brendan Burns. He's an Australian comic who lives in England. And he, he goes, Oh my God, I was reading through everything. And he goes, this is a, this is a one man show. This is a fringe show. He goes, there's so <laughs> much, he goes between Mike Clitoris and uh, all this other stuff. He goes, this is a show. And, um, it's the exact same thing I thought. Yeah, like that's so interesting. Like, I didn't think that at all. And, you know, just the way I made fun of myself for Scotty Goldman, I'll, I'll probably be making fun of uh, of this and these these circumstances for a while now. Um, and, and maybe I can turn it into a, a one-man show. That it, You know, he, he said he was going to help me kind of get the beats for it. So maybe that's something I can do in the future. Like, can you imagine that this this exact same scenario happens not – with a show with punk, but the show with Grado. Like, can you just imagine this? <laughs> what do you mean? That we do a podcast? That, no, that there's there's a lawsuit based off of what Grado said on oh, a podcast. Dude, like, can you so, can you just superimpose Grado into this courtroom and he's the one testifying? Oh, then we could do a show together? <laughs> that that, that, that say, might be the, the concept. 
Yeah, but uh, if it was with Grado, it would have been thrown out of court so quickly for not having a clue what he was saying. So that's that's very true. Yeah. Um, you know, as as we kind of wrap up on all the all the legal situations here, I mean, it's you know, Punk stated this outright, and you, you don't have to comment on this, but the assumption is that this was funded far beyond Doctor Amen uh, by the WWE. I mean, do you have definitive knowledge of that, or is that just simply that's been implied and that's believed by the majority. I don't know how much you can really delve into that. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know the rules. I read his deposition, so I know some answers, you know, but it didn't come out in the court. Um, All right. I'm sure that deposition, I mean, I'm really hopeful that that is going to be available through uh, Cook County Courthouse. I know. A lot of us media people that are going there for all in, I mean, are hoping to go by this courthouse to get the actual physical documents that the, all of this stuff can eventually come out. But I know Cook County, it's not the easiest courthouse to get uh, material out of, it sounds like. Unfortunately, I think I had to pay for it as part of the, the bullshit, um, you know, for my lawyer to read through. I read, I sat there. Is it expensive? Is it a, is very, it a large amount? Yeah, yeah. It's about a thousand bucks or something. Um, I. I read through all of his deposition and I also read all of the text messages between him and his friends that were secretly talking about, uh, punk and I. So, um, those were very eye opening. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I won't say anything, but it's, uh, it was very interesting to, to have, you know, I don't know what the word is, but to be, to have that information in front of me when I know I wasn't supposed to have it. Um, Throughout all of this, I mean, you've maintained your, your wrestling schedule. I mean, you even mentioned that that really took your mind off of things. Um, tell us a bit about what is, what is coming up this summer for you beyond just uh, the Fringe Festival. Uh, I know you have a lot of projects on the go and, of course, uh, the podcast as well. Yeah, you know, I changed the podcast and uh, people have told me it's kind of like almost like NPR type. I said it's kind of like a docu-podcast. It's almost like... And I know, you know, I know how much you enjoyed the, the Wrestling Road Diaries. It's almost like a, a Wrestling Road Diaries audio weekly. Um, and I'm still talking to all my friends. And this way I have, like, all these different guests. So, like, you know, the Young Bucks can be on every week if they want to be or Cody or, or or whoever's around, you know. And I talked to Ricky Morton the other day and it's just whoever's around. And I, I'm on all these weird shows, so it's really fun. And I recommend, if you know, if I, a lot of people, I assume, unsubscribed years ago when – I don't know, Jericho and Stone Cold started a podcast, but um, uh, if you try episode number four, it's about, it's it's my trip to China, and it's I think it's really cool to, to hear the documentation of a, of a trip to China to wrestle for the NWA title. Uh, and then I'm just, hey, uh, you know, I'm wrestling all the time. Uh, this week I'm going to be in Rahway for WrestlePro. Uh, I'm going to be in Chikara uh, in Philadelphia. I got shows in AAW in Chicago, Beyond Wrestling in Massachusetts. Over the top wrestling in Dublin, Rev Pro in um, in London, um, bar wrestling in LA. I'm doing the Dan Gable uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, uh, and then I'll do, I'm going to be doing All In right. So if you guys are there, I'm going to be doing my podcast on Sunday. I'm doing the AAW shows there. Um, you know, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees is doing great. And I'm still on the billboards all over, even though the all-in, they took one of my billboards. I wasn't happy about it. But Oh, man. Yeah. And Cody actually apologized to me. And I was like, I'm just joking. I was like, I'm on 25 of them. Being on 26 is okay not to be on them in Chicago. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, and then, you know, I'm always 
I'm always working, John, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the voice of Ring of Honor now, which is really nice. And um, because I'm still wrestling, it, I'm okay with uh, not wrestling there. You know, I still have such a full wrestling schedule that it's almost nice to go and work with Ian Riccoboni. Um And I, I, I think it's so fun to kind of uh, get this new friendship and tag team partner in Ian. And I, you know, like I think. I don't think, and I don't know how your view is, but I don't, I don't think Ring of Honor is going anywhere. And it seems like pretty soon uh, Sinclair is going to take over WGN and everything seems really comfortable. And it's not like I don't see them like replacing us anytime soon. So like I could have this job for the next 10, 15 years, I think. So, uh, and I, I assume, unless I do something to screw it up, uh, I'm, inter- I, I'm interested and I think it's fun to see where Ian and I develop into a team. I, I've been a big fan of Ian's for, for quite a while before he was um, even put on to, to the main show. He was just doing uh, the Women of Honor shows. And, man, it was like two weeks ago. I think it was during a six-man tag. And Christopher Daniels gets uh, one of the balloons from the kingdom and pops it. And without even skipping a beat, you just have that line that that's probably the only pop Christopher Daniels is going to get. And I thought, man, the, the timing was just unbelievable. <laughs> you made me, made me laugh out loud. Hey, that's the goal, right? You know, let, let's wrap up with this because like, I, I've talked about this case for a while and I probably haven't done enough um, to focus on it. But coming out of this, like this was a story to me that it certainly went beyond just being a pro wrestling story. I think this was a big story for anyone that is concerned about uh, media rights, about just simple freedom of expression. Do you envision yourself almost becoming an advocate here that you or somebody here that I think a lot of people may lean on the next time there's a case like this, which sadly, I think there will be another one. It might not be involving a wrestling podcast, but when you see so many companies out there that, have the ability and the means to drain somebody financially. Um, I think it's something that you can now speak to. And I think that this is, you know, you are someone that has been able to uh, balance the line of pro wrestler, as well as, you know, as a podcaster as well. You are, you are the person that people think of in, in that crossover. Well, you know, you were one of the very first people to say how, you know, it was scary for you and, I don't know, that made me feel good, at least that everyone wasn't just like laughing at me going to court, you know, that this was a real thing or laughing at me that I was getting sued or something Uh, because, you know, I was a little self-conscious, like a little bit of it was like, oh, my God, does everyone hate me now? Is this is that what this lawsuit means? And now I know it's, you know, it's just the people in WWE that (laughs) hate me, I guess. Um, But, you know, and a little bit of me was sad and you can you can correct me who it is like that. Um, there's companies that help people in media, right? That will help like bankroll their their lawsuit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it, are you being like specific to wrestling? No, to like if you're if if someone's coming after the media, there's these companies that will help you. Uh, it's a letter. I don't know. No, everyone's gonna tweet it. What it is, but well, I mean, if you're talking about like like the Gawker case, for instance, yeah, I mean that w- that was something where it's like. This wasn't Hogan bankrolling this. I mean, it comes out that there's there's a billionaire named Peter Thiel that uh, has this vendetta. There's, that I mean, there's like nonprofit companies who look out for people who are getting sued like this. Oh, okay, you're talking like the complete opposite. Yeah, the, the complete the spectrum. Opposite. Okay, who would help yeah. me? You know, and because uh, you're talking about media and the little guy, and so like a little bit of me was like, I mean, I, if anyone's the little guy here, I would assume it was me. Um, so, you know, so I was, you know, 
I thought maybe I would be thrown into that world of, of a nonprofit, maybe coming to help, you know, someone like me getting taken down in this thing. Um, so, you know, going forward, I guess being the spokesperson, I don't know what I can do. Like all I, you know, I, I don't know the rules still. I don't know, you know, all I know is I paid a lawyer and he made sure that the facts were out there and I was, I was found, you know, the case was found in my, in my favor. That's like all I know. So, I mean, someone wants me to speak for their company, I'll, you know, I'm happy to tell them to buy a lawyer, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think everyone can help by going over to coltmerch.com, where in record time, uh, we had a new T-shirt come out moments after this verdict was was rendered, a, a scot-free T-shirt uh, that can now be purchased. I mean, this was uh, – what was there an alternate if, if things did not come your way? That's a question that's been asked. Literally after it happened, you know, Ryan over at One Hour Tees is like, hey, my guy just whipped this up. Can we put it up? I was like, yeah, go for it. So, uh, <laughs> well – uh, do go on, go on over to coltmerch.com, uh, uh, support the man, the art of wrestling. I highly recommend this week's show. If you want to get a, a, a pretty honest, you know, blow by blow, uh, from Colt in the moment too. I mean, this is, that was one of the cool things Colt was that it wasn't even you reflecting in hindsight. It was day by day where, uh, you didn't know what was going to be happening. And it, um, the, the tone in this podcast, I mean, it's, it's somber, but it was something that it, it, felt very raw. I mean, this was you in the midst of this horrendous legal battle, and I think everyone should listen to it to really get into your space, uh, into your mindset of what was going on. So I highly recommend this week's show. Yeah, I thought that was important to, to do it like that, and um, and I think it's, uh, I've, been getting, I've been getting such great feedback from that, that episode. So, uh, you know, if you're just going to check out one, please, you know, check that one out. I think it's important to listen to. Also, you talked about Colt Merch um, as we end here. I wrote a children's book uh, with my friend Erica Weiss, and uh, maybe you're a huge wrestling nerd like we all are, and you're like, how do I get this kid to be a wrestling fan like me so then we can love wrestling together for the rest of our lives? Uh, this children's book would be a great idea, and that's at coltmerch.com, and I'll sign it, and I'll send it out to uh, whatever kid you want me to. I have I have a ten month old child, Colt, oh so his ber- his birthday's coming up in July. I mean, what a perfect birthday present this could be. This is it was meant to be. Yeah, ten month old child. What's what's his or her's name? His name is Max. Oh, that's awesome, man! I didn't know that. Yes. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I will. Uh, I, I will. I will seek out uh, your book. Uh, thanks so much, Colt. I really appreciate you doing this. I know that's probably not the uh, the easiest. Uh, time of your your life to uh revisit uh but i really appreciate you um answering all our questions uh because a lot of people did want to hear from you after this yeah you know and i know i know it's not the, but it's important you know it is yeah very important and I, I'm, I'm glad you're doing these interviews i'm glad that you're not just you know relieved that this is done and never address it again because it's uh it's something that i think a, a lot of people should should hear about especially given the fact that um no, this this wasn't the easiest case to follow for people on the outside. They may have just heard the verdict and not knowing all that went into this. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, you know, I appreciate and uh, I think you guys are doing a great job. And also, uh, you know, post-wrestling, what you, you know, I mean, the people listening, they get it. They've, they've been supporting you. And I, I know that kind of support you need from the from the ground up. And um, you have a great audience. And so I appreciate you allowing me to talk to them. And uh, I like to be. Talk to also at Colt Cabana on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) There you go. Hit them up. And thank you for all of you listening. And we'll be back uh, later on this weekend uh, with lots more coverage here at postwrestling.com. Give the man a follow too. 
at Colt Cabana.